This is the Ironside Podcast, number 66, with Tom Dinkelman and me, Brett Kane. Good evening, Tom. Brett, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic, brother. When I was a boy, I could expect to hear how my behavior would be judged, not only by God and his angels, but by forebears long past, and that they too would have their say when all is said and done. My blood was never mine alone. And so I was inducted into a great family tradition at an early age and carefully tutored by our family annals, the stories of my people, some centuries old, occupying the same place in my heart as tales from the King James Bible. For through these memories handed down generation after generation, we know who we are, where we are, where we belong, what we live by, and what we live for. Most folks today don't seem to know who they are or where they belong, much less what they live for. There's always some new flag or fancy slogan to hide behind, but the poverty of their spirit still causes them great pain and confusion, and so they twist in the wind. Perhaps they'd be better off looking backwards and consulting their dead. One night, while digging through some of my own family history, I came across a copy of my great-great-great-grandfather's diary. One of the pages aptly titled, I Shot a Man for 75 Cents, instantly caught my eye. It's not every day you find one of your family's great patriarchs nearly killed a man over some pocket change. And that exciting excerpt was written by none other than Lafayette Lee. And we are honored to have him back in the house. Thanks for coming aboard, brother. No, thank you very much for having me. I, uh, I appreciate being here and thanks for, uh, for reading that. Absolutely. I, I absolutely love this. And and for those listening, the, this is available on the Substack Ruins of Karataman. We'll link that in the show notes. And I think that that's such a good introduction. Before we, we started this episode, you and Tom and I were, were talking about how essential family is and and more than, than any other institution. And that's something that, that we certainly believe. And we're seeing other institutions that served as scaffolding kind of falling away. Uh, we were talking about how you got to interview Joe Kent, uh, who's also been on this podcast, and and you were talking about the Boy Scouts of America, which is something all of us have had experience with. And it's not something that that our children are going to experience. So I'd love I'd love to to re restart that that convo that we're having. Yeah, you know, um, I was, I know that we were talking about this before and Tom had, um, Tom had asked a question and it kind of got me thinking about a conversation I'd had while I was interviewing, um, while I was interviewing Joe Kent for I Am 1776. Um, I did an interview there and a lot of our conversation about the Boy Scouts didn't make it into the publication, but um, we both found as we, you know, as I was asking him questions that we had both been really shaped by our experience in the Boy Scouts. Um, and I know that, you know, your listeners might have varying experience. Some of them might have never been in the Boy Scouts, but, you know, there was a time when I was young that the Boy Scouts, almost every kid on the block went to, was part of our scout troop. And the lessons and the character formation that I experienced there, you know, learning leadership, learning how to, uh, trust my instincts, how to trust, have confidence in my skills. Um, those, that, that kind of, that spirit that was nurtured in the Boy Scouts have, has really stuck with me my whole life. 
Um, but I was kind of lamenting that, you know, we live in a time when a lot of these organizations, well, like the Boy Scouts is a great example, just aren't going to be really around for our children, that many of these uh, organizations or relationships that many of us have leaned on, you know, as, and really cultivated us are just not going to survive. They might not survive, you know, they're definitely not going to survive the century. Many won't survive the decade, but I think that Tom brought up a good point, um, you know, that that doesn't mean that the values, the virtues that those organizations were trying to to instill in a rising generation, it doesn't mean those things don't matter. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to recover those because those will never go away. I mean, we do believe that those things are timeless. And I think that's what the fight is now. It's not merely to preserve the machinery built around those virtues, although those things matter, it's to recover those virtues. And so I, I, you know, I have a tremendous respect for those who came before us. And there's a lot that we've inherited. You know, we have an inheritance, I believe, that we need to honor and respect. But it's also really important for us to become, you know, we need to think a little bit more about building, not merely just saving, but building too. Well, what's interesting is you used to be able to take and outsource some of those principles uh, to other organizations. You mentioned the Boy Scouts, and and I, I would even look at it and, and even go much farther than that. I think there's a lot of other organizations you could outsource the the ideology that we have in our own, in our own lives. You know, uh, raising our children to be good, outstanding citizens, to be to stand up for truth, to do all those things, uh, and have a family as a center. And what's funny about those organizations is when they've started to crumble and fall away, it's when they've moved away from those principles that we want to make sure that we maintain in our families. Yes, I, I totally agree. I, and, you know, that's as a as a young father, you know, I have that's really been first and foremost on my mind. I mean, when I was younger, I talk about this with my my beloved wife often, but you know, when I was a young man, I had dreams, right? <laughs> I think we we all did. We all imagined um, a future with certain things in them. I've had an opportunity to turn down a lot of those dreams um, voluntarily. Some have been, some have disappeared, but others I've I've walked away from. You know, things that I wanted my whole life, um, and it's because, you know, really it's it's me recognizing the world, the landscape that I live in as a as a father, as a husband, right. Uh, but especially as a father and my life has become so much more oriented around my children. And I, that might've, that might be how it should be. That might've been how it always was for some folks, but this was kind of a new thing for me to realize that, you know, these, these things that I'm watching fall apart in this day and age, you know, the decadence I see all around me. Um, the one place that I can, I know for a fact that I can cultivate and nurture the things I know to be true and correct and good and healthy and, and, you know, life-giving are going to be in the walls of my own home. And so I have really kind of oriented my whole, my whole project around that. I mean, I talk about politics. I, I, can't, I have a hard time resisting. Um, I love talking about ideas, whether they're ideas on the far left, far right. But where it really comes down to is what I can hold on to. And what I can hold on to are those things that I, I fight for here every day. You know, it's the, it's the, it's that grind. It's that sweet, bittersweet grind that you, you do as a parent, 
you know, where every day in and day out, you are teaching, instructing, providing an example, you're loving, you know, you're praying, these kinds of things, you know, these small traditions that I am trying to cultivate here, I, I have a perspective that I want them to last beyond my life. I want them to last beyond my children's lives. I want them to bless my posterity as, as my ancestors have blessed me. And I really hope that those of us who are thinking about, you know, as we watch the world kind of collapse in some ways, I hope we can remember that. I hope we can keep that perspective. I think it will keep us from becoming, you know, desperate and keep us from becoming demoralized that every little thing you do matters, you know, and that it, it really matters here in the home. I really like that. And, and what it actually makes me think when I was listening to you talk, because obviously you are an incredible and worthy husband and father, but that's not all. I mean, you're, you're completely capable in all of these other fields and you're, you're so smart you're so informed and, and you, you have the cred and that you've earned. And I was wondering, you know, how, how can someone have that, that rhythm and I, I just picture it like skilled people like yourself are just walking back and forth across a, a river. And I don't know if you guys have spent much time in rivers. I, I love swimming in rivers, love fishing rivers, love floating rivers, anything. And when you cross a river you, you and you're used to it, you can see the rapids. You're aware, hey, some of these rocks might be slippery. Okay, it's going to get a little bit deep here. Uh, if you're a good swimmer, you know, even if you do lose your footing, you're going to be fine. And I think that's the, and, and now it's kind of hard because we see people who do get really into politics, but at the expense of their families and, and they don't know how to cross that river back and forth and get to the other side and, and get to dry land. Or you just get the people who don't even care about anything. And they just, uh, they're like the, the, uh, the fat guy floating down the river in his inner tube with his Bluetooth speaker and, and his beer. I, I was thinking of that because last time we went to the river with my family, I'm swimming with my daughter and I had to like pull half a dozen of these drunks floating down the river who are about to hit a log jam or, or get stuck in the rapids or whatever. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm really impressed at that, that you're able to stay so grounded. And I want to ask how, how could someone do that who doesn't have your experience um, without lo losing out on the opportunity to have uh, a supportive and successful family? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I struggle with this sometimes because um, I, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I was very fortunate to have a lot of guardrails early on in my life um i see a lot of young men today and they're and, and you know and I, I find i think this is one of the things that attracted me <laughs> to twitter of all places is that there's i just see a lot of young men that are struggling but they're struggling they're struggling with things that i i, I contended with but in different ways um i think it's much more difficult now and i recognize that and so you know my heart goes out to a lot of these people um as you know because i I think it's really difficult as being a young man and navigating this world today. You know, my generation came of age in a time when we could still hold on to the analog world. Like we had some grounding in that, you know, and so there were certain things that we could, 
you know, that we we received nourishment from early on that have kind of dissipated now. And this newer generation is 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 stuck in this vastly different world. And so, you know, my what advice I usually give to to young men is I I think they I, the world has changed considerably. But, you know, like Tom brought up before, I believe that there are long lasting, timeless truths out there. And those truths, like human people in, in this country too, I, I, there's a lot of like negativity and despair out there that I think is, you know, some of it is, is a lot of it is, is kind of like the voice of demoralization. There are a lot of demoralized people out there, but a lot of it too is making up excuses that, you know, you cannot find any good people. There is not one good man. I don't buy that. I just don't believe it. And part of the reason is not because I stick my nose in a book. I just live in the world. I meet good people. I meet a lot of decent, wonderful people. And I, you know, I'm not the only young father out there fighting every day so that my children can live a healthy, happy life in a dangerous world like this. So I refuse to believe that, you know, every, I don't, I don't buy into that apocalyptic thinking that, you know, we're just like two minutes away from it all being over. This, this is going to drag out a very long time. So young men out there that haven't quite had these experiences but are hungering for them, you know, one of the ways, this might sound really silly, but this one of the ways I've had to come to terms with the way things are in my own life as well, you know, I've, I've had my my own triumphs and defeats, you know, you're, you're basically the hero of a novel, <laughs> you know, your life is a novel in a lot of ways. I mean, that's why I, I like reading fiction, you know, good fiction because it's not some linear progression. You know, this is not, it's not a formula. You don't plug in, you know, put a quarter in a machine and then, you you know, the, the future you just comes out the other end. You are a character in a, you know, a novel that is filled with adventure, periods of boredom and tedium uh, and many dangerous things. Your life is not, it's not been written for you yet, you know? There are things that are timeless and your job is to find those and to cling to them, to find meaning in those things that are healthy and good, but nothing is written for you. You have to write that story. And so I think that young men who have always had a sense of adventure need to approach the present with a sense of adventure. They need to, they need to seek out those good things. They need to find those experiences and they need to just latch onto those a lot of the things that they've been told are not going to bear out in their lifetimes. Um, but there are things you can hold on to. One of those is family. One of those is if you're a man, you need to find a good woman and they do exist. They are out there. If you're having a hard time finding them, you need to find, you need to change your approach and find a different way to scout out those opportunities. And I know there are many people who will come to me with unique stories about how this has not worked for them. And my heart goes out to them. I understand, but Things have never been easy and they are, and in many cases, they are going to be harder now, but it still matters. It's still a fight worth engaging in. And I, I really do believe that there is a way and you have to find out that you have to find that way, but, you know, give you comfort a little bit. And this is kind of what I was writing about in that piece. It's, it's never been easy for anybody. I mean, there have been periods that have been remarkably you know, blessed, you know, our grandparents, in many cases, were remarkably blessed, maybe our parents. But you go back far, you know, you don't have to go back very far. I didn't have to, in my own line, to find starvation, to find death by, you know, disease, to find all sorts of hardships I've never had to endure. 
I think it's good to go back and to get some perspective and to find some gratitude for the world we live in today and then find those find what works and make it and make it happen for yourself you know well i love that you point that out i mean honestly you look at our parents our grandparents our great-grandparents even our own uh all being key characters in their story and but what they weren't is is they weren't narrators and i don't think that any of us should be narrators in our story or in our, even our in our own children's story but i also think uh, taking what you've said just there and then going back to you lamenting some of these organizations going away. We mentioned the Boy Scouts specifically, but what I find interesting about that is when those organizations were there or, and some of them are still there that are gonna last, but what we did was we became lackadaisical in the sense that we allowed them to to raise us, to raise our children. uh, And because we just, we became dependent upon them. And I think that we're now in this awesome, we have this now awesome privilege of being able to bring that back into the home and avoid and take out that laziness and start working forward and actually being proactive in what our story is and how our ending's going to be. I completely agree with that. I, yeah, I think that that, I think you nailed exactly how my, my sentiments on this, um, you know, this, it, it, it should like, it should fill you with a level of excitement because there's, this is how, this is how it works with taking risks. This is how it works with getting the rewards that you want. I think what's, what's poisonous is an idea that you can get something valuable or meaningful with a very little effort. That is the seductive lie of our age is that, you know, I can go out here and I can get something wonderful without with the least amount of effort my goal is to get it without really trying and i mean that that not only is deceptive it's not only incorrect but it it demoralizes you if you pursue things like that you will always find you know tragedy and hopelessness at the end of that that road i think that i think that there should especially with young men i mean you have in your heart the a sense of adventure you do. It's down there. I, you know, I just tweeted about this a while ago, but, you know, I, I was uh, over the weekend, I was out with my family and we were reading The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> it's a great book for many reasons, but one of the things I love the most about it that I was very pleased to present that to my children is it, it will, it, for any man, you can be a man with a heart as, you know, cold and, you know, stone cold and reading that book and, and 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 just tasting a little bit of that that boyish spirit that is just so it's so pure and wonderful that we all have inside of us we we had it once <laughs> some of us have lost it but it's in there and i think that i think that as terrifying and as awful as the world can be you know they we need to recover that that is the only way that I think we're going to be able to face what's coming down the pike and still be able to smile and still be able to face it with our heads held high. You know, I, I just think of, you know, this is something I kind of, I I feel like I had to develop in the military is there were times when I was cold and hungry and wet and scared and, and miserable. I mean, just go down the list. There were times when I had to say goodbye to my family and I didn't know if I was going to come home and I was, I was very anxious about that. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm somebody who actually doesn't like jumping out of airplanes, but I had to do it a lot. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, I had to like, have, I just sit down and have a real like heart to heart with myself almost every time I jumped, because I just did not, I did not enjoy it at all. Um, so these, these, these things, but I, I still was able to face down the world with my head held high. And, and so much of that comes down to having just some pluck. And you need to you need to cultivate that. You need to be able to have that. I think to survive in this world, there will be no rewards that you'll be able to. You'll never be able to get those rewards without those risks. And the only way to do it without breaking is to is to bring back that that spirit that you had when you were younger, when you were a boy, when you dreamed. You know, I I really believe that. I love that. And, and that's a, a powerful admission because you, you are one of the bravest men in the history of the world. So to, to know that you're not particularly fond of jumping out of a perfectly good aircraft uh, is encouraging to, to the rest of us who, who uh, have uh, fears and, and uh, dislikes as well. So thank you for sharing that. Well, you're, you're too kind. I'm, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not much of a brave person. I was, I definitely served with people that were brave and I didn't, I've never been tested like some of the people that I have, I've served with, or I know personally, but all of us have to have a level of, of courage and bravery, I think, to, to live in this world. I mean, and it's always yeah. been that way, you know, men, especially, and women are, women can demonstrate bravery and courage too. And, and, you know, I do think men and women are very different, but I would never deny that because I've seen it. But um, I think for us, you know, those of us who are are men and, um, and we, you know, it's one of those traits that we can't really live a good life without. And so I do think that every one of us needs to cultivate that. And um, I think that, I think part of that is to kind of returning to, to finding within yourself that it, it does exist inside of you. And sometimes it, it just takes, you know, letting, doing a little bit of work and letting it out. Well, I think sometimes people confuse being fearless with courage because they're, they're, they're very distinct things. And my, my wife and I had this conversation. She says, how are they different? I said, well, courage is not, you can't have courage without having fear. And, you know, fearless take, being fearless simply takes that away. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think that, you know, I, I kind of look at bravery and, and like fearlessness is, you know, it's a quality I admire when I see it. Um, but, and I, you know, I, I do value it, but, you know, bravery and courage seems to have like a higher plane. It's, it's almost like a recognition. Like I, I, I served with some men that had lost limbs, you know, and I was just amazed that, that many of these guys would still go on and take on a considerable amount of risk knowing, knowing that the cost, they knew it intimately, but they believed in something higher and more important. And they demonstrated, in my opinion, that bravery, you know, that courage, willing to lead men in, in trying times. And, um, and I, you know, I see that too with, uh, with parents, like I, you know, they're, you know, I, I see this like with, with young parents in my personal circle of friends that are willing to teach those hard lessons to their kids and they're willing to forego certain things and they're willing to turn down opportunities. They're willing to stand against the crowd, which can be really difficult in this day and age. There's a level of courage that that comes out there that is admirable as well. 
And so I, I think that all of us have the capacity for, for doing that. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the wonderful thing about it is when someone shows a level of courage, it has this electrifying effect to, you know, all the people, many people around you that are perpetually on a fence. Um, I've just, sometimes it takes that one person to take a stand and then everyone, everyone feels a level of strength around them. And so courage can very much be a like collective, a group experience. And I really do believe in that. And so I think we could all benefit from that. Absolutely. And, and I, I know all the guys would, would say the same thing about you, brother. And, and like you said, just, just waking up in the morning in many cases is an act of courage and to say nothing of bringing children into this world. I think it was Chief Red Cloud who said that men do that which is difficult and women do that which is impossible. And uh, there's a, a Cheyenne saying that says no people is ever truly defeated until the hearts of their women are on the ground. And uh, I think it'd be awesome. You know, I, I don't know if, if your wife has done any uh, public appearances, but we definitely love to have, have her and, and Tom's wife and my wife get together on one of these and and talk because I know we, we all have incredible, incredible wives. No, I, I, I feel that so strongly. I am, I'm one of those people that has a great, I, and I, you know, I don't, I can't judge this off of like other people. I don't have these like very intimate conversations about, you know, like what, what my friends wives mean to them. We don't usually talk about it, but if I, you know, when I think about it, I have, I have so much respect for her. Um, and I, I marvel at, at, at the person she is. And part of that is who she is personally, but it's also what she's done. You know, I think men, we, we find a lot of value. We find a lot of, um, meaning and we, 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 we develop a sense of self, I think through doing things. I think that's very important. And that's why I think it's very important for young men to, to accomplish things, you know, and that's really, that's a big part of our development. But, um, I just see some of the things that my wife has done and what she does day in and day out. And it, a lot of it's thankless work, but you know, it just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not easily impressed with people and I am, I'm just amazed by the kind of person that I married. And a lot of that has come out through having children. Uh, she was a great person when I met her, but she is a, um, just a marvelous person um, as a mother. And it's just brought out these fine, fine qualities in her where she becomes like, she became, you know, a very dear companion. And now she's like a rock to me, you know, and I've, I've thought about this many times. I've been through many failures, you know, I don't want anybody to think that like, I've just, you know, I accomplished, I, I don't know how much I've talked about things I've done in my lifetime, but I've had some good triumphs here and there. I've had some things that I'm proud of, but I've, I've, I've encountered many defeats and many times when I was bowled over and did not know what to do. And in those moments where I had my wife with me, it was such a blessing to be able to say, you know, the whole world can turn its back on me. I can lose almost everything, but if I have this woman's love and if I have her, her commitment to me, I can survive anything. Um, and I, I really want that for young men out there. I want them to have that because it exists. It's real. It's a beautiful thing. It's how it's supposed to be for you. Um, and, and so like finding a good woman 
who can be that person for you and you can be her, the person she admires. You can be the person that she looks to for your, your unique role. Um, there's just nothing better than that. And um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, it took me getting married to really learn to appreciate women for what they are and what they bring. That is so unique. Um, something I, you know, they bring something I cannot like replicate. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what a good woman can do. You can feel like a total failure, like you've sunk to the very bottom and, and she'll buoy, buoy you up. I mean, and she raises your children to do the same thing. I've, I've been in that situation where I felt like, man, I, I, I couldn't be any lower. And when I came home to tell my wife about it and, and embarrassed, not that I had done anything wrong, but I, you know, I was embarrassed with who I was at that point. And she's and rallied around me and my daughters rallied around me. And I, and I don't think people understand what a meaningful relationship that is. No, it really is. I mean, it's, I, you know, you can go through history. I'm, I love reading history. I'm very interested in like the, I, I love reading about the frontier. I love reading about post-war societies and the, and the, the running theme always is, is that, that glue, the mortar who builds things back up, who cultivates a lot of those good things and and saves you know whatever can be recovered from the ashes are so often the women i mean it's just story after story and and there's and some of these stories are difficult to find because they they weren't um they maybe they weren't appreciated enough but i mean we would be nowhere without that i mean there's just a you know there's there's a real backbone to our society our social fabric so much of that is rooted in women who are good and women who are mothers. Um, I, I, I think that's a necessary component. Not everybody has the ability to have children. I understand that. So I'm not speaking against them, but I am saying like, um, there's something very different and elevated about a woman who's also a mother. Uh, there's an, an investment in society that you just cannot find anywhere else we really need that. Like we need good women and um, we need good men. We need good women. But, but that, that, that part of women, they play such a fundamental role. I think that doesn't get, um, I mean, I, we always hear about like girl bosses and things like that. Um, I, I find that to be, I, I just find that to be mostly a distraction from what matters and not just because it's women. I mean, I find that most of the corporate gobbledygook that we talk about and, think about is secondary to more important things. Um, but it's that family, it's that rock. And I just see so much of that coming from good rooted women who have a true investment. They truly have skin in the game for raising good generations of people. 100%. And, you know, lately uh, for, for church in, in our curriculum, we've been reading in Proverbs and it's just chock full of, of, uh, talking about vir virtuous women and, and these these brave women that uh, are just anchors for their families and i i love i love reading about that and and in those books you know we see wisdom is personified as a woman and and my wife she's so wise and every time i think about her and i think about the woman that our daughter is going to be i i want our daughter to be just like her and my daughter just turned seven and, and she's grown. She's so precocious. And 
you know, she'll, she'll do things that, you know, might be a little bit naughty or, or whatnot. And I always think, okay, like, I don't want to lose my temper. I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want to you know, do anything wrong because I, I don't want my daughter to remember me as being an angry or overbearing parent. And, and likewise, in all my interactions with my wife, I think, okay, what if, you know, I were in this position or what if when my daughter's grown, how would I want her husband to react in a similar way? And there's a great quote uh, that says, you know, the best way to raise a daughter is to love her mother. And, and so that, that's what I'm always thinking about. And I think one of the things that's helped me is realizing, Hey, if there's something like my wife, for example, she's practically perfect in every way. Uh, just for, for some reason, she has a hard time closing cabinets and car doors. I, you know, I don't know what, <laughs> what it is, uh, but not getting annoyed at that. And, or, you know, if my kiddo is singing uh, a, a kid song that on repeat for the 10,000th time, not getting annoyed by that because I decided long ago that if someone's doing something that annoys me or bothers me, that's my fault. You know, it's, it's my problem. It's not them. I'm not going to make them change. So that's what I think a lot of young men need to realize is that they shouldn't expend, you know, 98% of their effort trying to change 2% of, of this person. And like you said, Lee, like your wife, she has continued to grow and, and she was amazing when you met her and she's even more amazing now. And I think that's because of her marriage to you, but it's not because you have actively been molding and, and adjusting and say, Hey, you need to do this instead. It's just by virtue of association. And I think that's what, what people need to realize that they don't need to change people. They just need to find someone who is complimentary. What's no. interesting about, Oh, sorry, Lee, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Tom. I said, what's interesting about that though, is the fact that you know, we surround ourselves with the, with great women that they are, like I said, they make us better. Uh, but at the same time, we have to find that balance where we don't discredit our own abilities, where, we, where we've done things to actually make them better as well. I mean, society will continue to push us out of the picture. Not only that, we're, that, we're, that men are weaker or that men are only strong because of women, but because they're not even needed anymore. And I feel like the ability to find that balance of saying, we're better because of each other, and we're, we're better together. We're able to, we, we have our strengths, we have our weaknesses, and those, that's where that balance is. That's the hardest part for society to recognize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, amen to both comments. I, you know, the, the beautiful thing about marriage, and this is, this is an expectation thing. I, I would love to, if I could like mentor a young buck out there, who's, thinking of, of, uh, look, you know, looking for, uh, somebody to spend, spend his life with, build a life, really build a life with. Um, yeah, you know, I, a lot of people, the, the reigning like wisdom of the day is get married after you've established your career and made your money or all these things. I do not agree with that. I'm, I'm actually pretty opinionated on this. Those those people who have been married later and, and have good marriages, more power to them. But I think by and large, for a lot of people, actually getting married when you're still young, when you're still building a life is not it, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And I say that as someone who got married, who, you know, by the world standards, pretty, pretty young. Uh, 
And it's because I was able to build a life with my wife. I went through struggles with my wife that brought us together, that smoothed those edges, that made the, that made a lot of the challenges um, in the future a lot easier to overcome. It tur- it made us into a single unit. Um, it made us into like I, you know, you go back to that biblical scripture about becoming one flesh. I mean. That's what we are. And it's because of those early difficult experiences. It's because, you know, while many of my friends were out sowing their oats, I was going home to my wife and I was learning commitment. I was learning patience. I was learning um, to be strong and brave in difficult situations. I was learning how to pinch my pennies and we everything was in preparation for bringing children into the world and building our lives around that. So every step, you know, we were able to start on that journey early. And I am I will say just, I can only speak for myself, but I think that this would bear out for many people. It's better that way. It's how it should be. And so, you know, I, and I, I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think you should go into a marriage wanting to change somebody. If you feel like you need to change that person, that's a pretty big red flag. I think right out of the gate. Um, doesn't mean that that person doesn't have weaknesses, right? But you know, the attitude you should have is I'm going to grow with this person. You know, there are things I'm going to hold on to tightly. And then there's things that I'm going to gradually let go or mold. And they will, they, you know, we will, we will grow together into this role. Um, and there's, there's just, it's imperative because that's how you build a family culture. The family culture I have is unique to our family. It's what I, it's what we believe is going to be the best for our children. And creating strong, resilient, intelligent, loving people. And so that comes from being from years, even before the kids came of working on those things together. You know, there's, there's all these virtues that the world lacks that are not valued enough and like patience, forgiveness, you know, love and respect. These are, this is, you develop these and you hone those in a relationship with whether it's when you're a child and it's with one of your siblings or it's your parents, but especially when you marry your spouse, that's where that's like, you're now in the finishing school for these virtues. And I think it's just very important to not lose sight of that. Nothing is more important than that relationship in your life. And it won't be. And I I say this as somebody who's, I've turned down many success, like opportunities to be quote unquote successful. I've been successful at what I've done, but I have, taken pay cuts. I've taken lesser roles at times to, because it was best for my family. And I am very glad I've never looked back from those. And I just encourage those people who are out there who are young and they're thinking about the kinds of decisions they're making to not lose sight of that. You know, I think it's very important. Amen. I I think there's a lot of value in being able to be poor with your wife, to be able to go through those struggles and I, you know, to your credit, you, you mentioned being one flesh. And I, I honestly don't think that that happens at marriage. That happens with all the other things that you go through with becoming like mine, because you, got, you have two different backgrounds. And it's as you come together and find that that place that the two, that works for both of you. I would even go as far as to say, get married young and have kids young. And I, I'm glad I, I was I was old in Utah years for getting married because I was 26. But we did not wait to have kids. And I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm not old and watching my kids 
uh, instead I, I'm growing up with my kids and I find that to be a huge blessing in and of itself as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I, my advice now when I was young and dumb and I had only been, you know, I would, my attitude was very much molded by the generation I came up in was, you know, wait a little while, make sure you do, you know, be smart. And I, you know, obviously you need to be able to support a family. I mean, your job, I mean, I really do believe this as a husband and father, your job is first and foremost to protect and provide for your family as best you can. And so if you can't do that, then you need to get yourself straight so you can, right? But if you're in a position to do that, it's, you, you, you will never regret bringing like the time you've had with your children. And, um, I, you know, I, I know so many parents that have, that are, that now their kids have grown and they, and they always look at my children and they, some of them will get a little tear in their eye and they'll be like, I, man, it goes by so fast. Don't, don't sleep on this. You know, don't, don't take your eye off this, you know, cherish it. And I just, I wish I could tell every young person who is contemplating marriage or maybe they're, they just got married and they don't know when to start a family. Um, you know, don't wait too long. Uh, you know, it's, you'll, you'll quickly find them. I mean, if you're anything like me, you know, you'll, you'll quickly find that all the things that you thought were so important before you brought one of those children into the world, you'll find that they really aren't, they're not nearly as important as you thought they were. And that your vow, you know, your self-worth and your attention, your sense of obligation will radically shift when you bring one of these children into the world. I mean, I just, I know that every father says this. I remember when I was young and didn't have any children and I would hear people say, you know, what it felt like when they first saw their, you know, their, their first child and held them in their arms. But I'm telling you right now, there's nothing like that. It will be the best day of your life. And I mean, it is true. And so don't, de don't deprive yourself of those things. It's just like you said, Tom, I mean, this is, this is where you develop those things. It's through that. It's just that it's that bittersweet grind that we all go through in a family and it's it's just something that you you don't want to take for granted. It's not I think a lot of young people today are under this, you know, terrible misperception that they can push this back and they don't realize how much they change in that time and how much different and more difficult it can be to raise a family when you're old and set in your ways. And when you've you know, when you've 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 broadened your commitments to other things that might not be as important it's so much better when you're young. You know, you're you're staring down the world with your beloved by your side. Uh, you're fighting for you know, you're fighting for every penny. You're trying to get yourself established. You, you you get a lot of licks in those years, but that's the best time to start a family. Absolutely, and you know, one of the things I really like that you said, Lee, was you know, your wife she she does all of this essential work in the home and and with the nurturing of the children and in in many cases you know wives uh, across the board it's kind of unsung and and in in some cases thankless but i think these kind of conversations that we're having is a way to thank them and keeping a journal you know even with like the you know for lack of a better term mundane things you know that that is a way to preserve that and I think you know, we need to say those things. We need to say thank you. We need to say, wow, house looks great. Oh man, this is you know, the best uh, sweet potato nachos I've ever had. You know, whatever she's making. That's that's one of my wife's specialties. Um, 
and and actually vocalize those things. My wife is really good at that. She'll she'll tell me things that my daughter said about me while I was at work, and and that's good to know. And what's really helped me, you know, if if my daughter's not listening when we're trying to do scripture time, or she's not going to bed at a good time, or she doesn't want to eat her vegetables. And this is one thing that my wife and I will say to each other. It's like, hey, everything's fine. Everybody's happy. Everyone's healthy. You know, we have a house, we have food, like things are okay. And I think a lot of young people and young couples and and even single people, they they despair and, and they think, oh, this isn't going right. And, you know, I had a bad day at work today, but I'm not going to let that ruin time with my family. So how do you keep that perspective that, you know, even if all the ducks aren't in a row, you can still have joy and, and, and have a good time with your family? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think as, I think as men, sometimes we, I mean, I know that, uh, I don't think it just afflicts us, but I do notice this a lot more with men is that, you know, when those of us who support a family and, you know, we're, we're out there, you know, trying to provide as best we can. Uh, part of that is you have to run this, you know, you gotta, you've got to run this career ladder and, and you've, you know, everything comes to, you know, at least for me, every decision in that realm is always like, how is this going to impact my family? You know, what am I going to do? Um, is this, you know, I, I need to fight for this so that my family has more. Um, and then there, there tends to be a, there tends, you know, there's a tendency to focus so much on that, that sometimes you don't leave enough time for the family. You don't leave, you don't prioritize those things. You know, there's always the tendency to say, you know, I'll get to that because it's always there. You know, oh, my kids are here. My wife is here. My home is here. We'll always be there. Um, But I think that we can't lose sight of that. These moments are precious, that they are they are very fulfilling, but we have to put in our time. And so one of the things that I have to do that has helped me is there needs to be a sense of ritual about it. Um, I, my wife and I have incorporated reading stories to our children at a certain hour. You know, we do reading together. Our trips that we take are almost always by car. I don't like flying anyway, but we, we don't, we do, we usually will take like road trips or we'll drive somewhere we're really big into national parks and so we'll do those and it's it's really because I want to spend as much one-on-one time with these people as I can I want to be locked in a car with my kids and my wife so we can talk you know and so we can we can we can we can experience each other's company and have great conversations and we can laugh at the funny things the kids say or you know, we can point out something that we see and we can have a great conversation about it. We can listen to uplifting, nurturing, great music, or we can listen to a book on tape. You know, there's all these different things. Um, and so, but there's, there's a sense of ritual about these things. And I, I found that I'm not good at that. My wife is really good at that though. She's big into traditions and she's big into, she's very organized setting aside the time and so I find as a husband that I, I benefit greatly from her complimenting my weakness there and being able to incorporate that. And if I honor those, I'm very happy. You know, when I get to have read, have story time with the kids, when we have our, our daily prayers every day, right, we, we pray. Those moments are wonderful. And when we plan a vacation, I'm not planning things that are going to 
you know, that, that are not going to give us, afford us that, that really intimate, wonderful time. That's just us. So we find, we, we take those trips and we, we plan them around, like, how can we spend the most quality time together? Right. Where it's the most meaningful. And then, you know, like after I get out of work, I, I've been trying to get in the habit of going and throwing the ball with the boy. And then today he, you know, he got a new BB gun recently. And so he want, he asked me today to go take him and shoot BB. So, you know, probably tomorrow, instead of just throwing the ball, we'll probably take out and shoot some targets, you know? So it's like prioritizing those things in a ritualistic sense makes it a lot easier. And I think that that's something, if you're not good at it, your wife might be, uh, but building those into your family culture early on is really beneficial. And, and I don't judge people that have these things. Sorry to ramble on about this, but one thing I would say and this is just me. And so I'm offering this as something that has been good for us. I don't, I don't judge people that do it differently. Um, you know, this is my business, but I found that like having a television or me as a man having video games was just, I mean, I've never had video games in the home since my kids have been born. But when I was younger and earlier in my marriage, I mean, I kind of grew up where video games were around and I played them and I don't judge people that do. And I think they can incorporate those into you know, healthy activities with their families. I've just found that I'm not, I'm not really good, good with that sort of a thing. And I've, I've become more distrustful of the kind of media that, that kids are consuming. And so I have found workarounds where my kids spend a lot more time playing outside or reading books or doing things other than watching television or being on technology. Um, I've tried to keep that away from them, not because I, I, I want to like, you know, sever them from what people would say the rest of the world is but I just don't think that they're prepared for some of the things that technology brings I don't think they're I don't think most people including myself um can handle some of the addictive like the, that addictive nature of some of these forms of media and so my home has kind of been we've kind of uh, sealed it off from some of these things that I think distract from that family time that that precious time and so we've kind of built our lives around around with those considerations in mind. And so, but that all comes down to your family culture. Every family is going to do it differently. Every family will find ways that like, I know I have great friends that play video games with their sons and they, they have a great time. So I'm not judging those people. I'm just saying being cognizant of what your family needs, being cognizant of like what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then trying to pack that into a sense of like ritual where you do it often, where it can be expected, it becomes an obligation that you enjoy fulfilling. I think that's really important. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. And and I think that's a great exercise. Everyone listening, I mean, it, it, just try going three days without turning on the television. Um, that that would be a, or a week or a month, and and you'll find out, you know you're not, you're really not missing much. And, and even if it, it is something that, that is a good bonding thing, that's awesome. If, if you have that discipline, uh, that's great, but there might be something better that you could do. It's kind of like a good, better, best situation. And you mentioned earlier, you know, if, if there's something that you're not particularly good at, you, you, but your wife might be, and finding those areas uh, that need improvement, because I think especially as guys, we're really good at practicing what we're good at, you know, <laughs> like, and and then we just kind of keep doing the same things, um, you know, if, if uh, and that can be in working out, that can be in training, that can be 
just in any aspect. So I think it, it, it is really good to try those things that, that we're not super good at and, and improve there. And you, you mentioned, you know, playing catch. That's awesome. I, my, I just have a, one daughter and I, I wanted to play catch. I grew up playing catch with, with my father. So I was like, Hey, would you want to play catch? And she's like, sure. And so we, we do that for hours. So that that's really fun too. So it doesn't just have to be a boy thing, but that, that is uh that's awesome that you're doing that. You're such a good dad. I, I want to, share this one thing and kind of the, what we were talking about at the beginning about how it's easy to, uh, you know, think about the good old days. And there's a lot of utility in there. We have to learn from the past. We have to prepare for the future, but we have to perform in the present. And yeah, I was thinking, it's like, man, you know, like our, our kids won't be able to experience what we experienced in Boy Scout of America but at the same time, I think about the the revolutionaries and they're like, I mean, were they thinking, oh man, what, it's such a bummer. My kids aren't going to get to fight the British empire. Darn it. You know, it's like, no, it's like what they did was, was to build up so their kids can have new experiences on that foundation. And we've talked about the King James Bible. You've talked about the King James Bible in your writing. And, and that's certainly uh, my, my favorite version uh, of the King James Bible of the Bible. But I want to share something. This actually comes from the Book of Mormon. And uh, for anyone listening, I just ping me on the interwebs and I will, will send you a, a complimentary copy uh, because it's a great book. And this is a little bit of context. This you all the hand-delivered too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I've actually shared it with a couple of mutuals uh, on, on Twitter. But this comes from the Book of Helaman. And this is about 23 B.C., uh, for context. And there's this guy named Nephi. It's a common name in the Book of Mormon. And uh, Nephi, he's rejected as a prophet. And uh, he his people are becoming wicked. And he's praying. And one of the things that he says is, oh, that I could have had my days in the days when my father, Nephi, first came out of the land of Jerusalem, that I could have joyed with him in the promised land, then were his people easy to be entreated, firm to keep the commandments of God, and slow to be led to do iniquity, and they were quick to hearken unto the words of the Lord. And so he's wishing that he had been born 600 years previously, so he could have been with his umpteenth grandfather, Nephi. And it's funny that he's he's almost idealizing. He's like, oh, back then the people were super easy to be entreated, and they were quick to listen to God, which was not always the case. So I think it's important to remember that uh, we're always going to have unique challenges in our days. And he goes on and says, yea, if my days could have been in those days, then would my soul have had joined the righteousness of my brethren. But behold, I am consigned that these are my days and that my soul shall be filled with sorrow because of this, the wickedness of my brethren. And, and that's exactly how the first Nephi felt too, sorrow because of his brethren. So if if you feel like you've missed out on something, you're gonna you're gonna have something that uh, is equal to or greater than. No, I, I I love that. I think that's exactly true. It's that, and I found in I found that just in my own life is that um, sometimes you have to have a funeral for something that you know a desire a a dream that you had maybe when you were younger. Um, you know, I found that I got to the end of a road that I had always wanted to be on and it wasn't what I thought. <laughs> and it wasn't 
I found myself very morally conflicted with that thing. And that was a tough pill to swallow. I mean, like, what do you do when you've worked your, your whole life towards this, you know, to this goal? And it turns out that the goal is not what you thought. Um, but thankfully, you know, I found that I had my family there. Um, and yeah, it can be really, it can be difficult to say goodbye to certain things that we hold on to. There's a sense of nostalgia that we have, which often is, is um, it can be good. Like you said, that it can help us. Like, I think people today need to realize that things don't have to be this way. Like we don't need, like we don't, we shouldn't feel like we have to live this way. Right. Um, I don't think we should embrace our own decadence, but at the same time, we need to realize, like I said before, it's like, you know, there, we're not dealing yet, hopefully not, but we're not dealing with like the kinds of like starvation and disease that our ancestors were and you know, children dying before they hit a certain age. I mean, that was very common. This was something that just shaped the lives and the mentality of the people that came before us. I'm very blessed. I'm so grateful that I don't have to worry about my children meeting an un unlucky end, you know, before they, they hit adulthood quite like they did in the past. But I also, you know, I also bemoan the, the evils of the world today, but I also have to remind, I, I tell my wife this, we talk about this often, but why, you know, I do believe that every, I believe we're here for a reason. So, you know, that's, that's how I, you know, that's the first place that I, the way I approach the world, but you know, I was born in this day and age for a reason. And it's my job to figure out what that is. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to go be a Napoleon here, but, you know, I was born in this, I was born in this time for a reason. And I now have these beautiful children um, who were also born in this time. So right now, I now know my place in the world and I have a commitment to honor, right? At the very least, that's there. And I can never, I can never like shirk that duty. That's the most important thing. And so right there, I have something to live for, you know, and all the other things that are like to me are now just icing on the cake, having a good job or having some credentials or whatever it is, but they just all pale in comparison to that thing that just roots me. I think we need to find those things that root us, that are real, that we can hold on to. They're the things that many of us took for granted when the times were fat, but we're, we're starting to approach those thin times. And those things are going to become much more real and much more, much more valuable to us. And, and I hope we don't let them atrophy and I hope we don't let them waste away because that will just put us in such a much, a much more difficult and painful place. I'm so glad you said that. And, you know, I, I was talking to my, my father today and uh, he, he's been on this podcast. I, I know Tom and him have, have got to to talk as well. I'd, I'd love for you to, to meet him off to do a, a podcast with both of you guys because you two are the smartest guys I've I've ever met, and my father is so successful, and he's light years beyond me. And I was talking to him because I was having a hard, hard time at work, even though my job is like it's so stupid. My my job uh, should should not have any of the challenges that it presents. Um, and my dad just you know kind of lovingly he said he said you know very few people get to do what they want to do. And I was like, no, oh, yeah, that's true. You know, um, at, at least professionally. So how do you find value outside? Because obviously, like we said, you know, and, and this goes for Tom too, both of you guys are, are you know, successful uh, professionally. 
but how how do you if if that went away how would you still find self-worth and value and confidence in your family it it did go away for me at one point i mean uh, lee you, you may i mean i spent 13 years in a career that paid really really well but to be honest with you i just didn't like it and and at one point it finally did go away where it was uh somewhat mutual i mean there was an ask for for a change in in some of the role and i just simply decided to walk away from it altogether but that was that embarrassment that i felt that was that uh the failure that i felt and when i came home and had that conversation with my family that's where i found that that's how i was able to root it back into it was be able to recognize that no matter what happens outside my my home that i know that there's that balance, that strength, that blessing inside my home. That's so true. I, I've, I've had a kind of a similar experience is that, um, <clears throat> you know, I had, the military is a place that I, I loved. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed my, I really enjoyed it. Um, but it was, it was really, really hard. You know, there were times that it was, it, it tried, it tried me <laughs> It, it made me a much stronger person in a lot of ways, but leaving that was, was probably the hardest thing I think I've ever been through. I'm still kind of recovering, to be honest with you, is it's hard to, it's hard to move from that world into this one that uh, we all occupy, but that isn't to say that this world is not important. In fact, so many things are much more important than what I was doing in the military. And so, but I found myself in the a lucrative career, you know, with credentials that a lot of people, you know, appreciate on paper, I guess. Uh, but I found like, I didn't really care about it. <laughs> it didn't really, it, it, I cared about it enough because it gave my family what I never had and what I wanted to give them. You know, I wanted to give them opportunities I never had. I grew up, I grew up pretty poor, you know, and um, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I'm not like some person who's just like rolling in dough, but um, I'm much better off than my parents were. And, um, but, you know, my perspective entirely changed. It's like, you know, I do respect men who can go out and work hard and have a lucrative career. You know, I, I respect that. I, you know, but I really admire a good dad and a good husband, you know, and I found that like, I don't have to have the riches of the world to be that, you know, it can be nice, but it can also be a distraction. And, I don't know. I don't know why. I think it, it might have been because, I don't know, maybe it was because I think early on in my family life, I was separated from my loved ones so much in the military. You know, I was gone for several years for about nine months out of the year and uh, just learned really quickly that um, nothing really matters like they do. You know, these people will always be there for me. Um, and I just, I think I had to really kind of have a uh, I had to readjust myself and realize that this was my world. Like this world matters the most to me, this little world in my family, you know, my home. And, but when I reoriented myself around that, uh, it's, it has been really, really good. It's been the thing. I mean, really, I, I don't know how, where I would be uh, leaving the military and then going through the COVID years and all this without these wonderful people that I live with. So you know, I just think, I think young guys out there, I don't think you should, I mean, 
I think there's some people that will like make an excuse, like I'm going to take a vow of poverty and <laughs> pass up things. And part of it is like, you'd never like, whatever it is, try not to make excuses for your decisions. But if you like, you know, Tommy said it really well, like you might find that like, yeah, you have a very successful career. You're doing very well, but you're not happy. And you, maybe you don't get to devote time to your family. Like I felt, um, orienting yourself around your family you'll never go wrong with that you know the mo the time you put into that is is going to bless you so much more than the time you even put in a career you know not to say you should provide for your family i'm not saying you shouldn't but man those tender moments like just the the minutes you spend with your children like man i i, I look through pictures of my kids when they were babies and i think to myself man i would i would kill to be able to just have five minutes with them when they were babies i love them now right but man you just can't you will never know what kind of joy and fulfillment that brings until you experience it and so orient yourself around it you just can't go wrong put them first and i say that as someone who struggles with this at times i say this as someone who has to work on that uh, but it i know it's true and it it blesses me exponentially Thank you so much for sharing that, man. That's, that's really encouraging because, it, you know, and, and I think about sometimes we have unreasonable expectations for our, for ourselves. And you know, there are people who put all of their time and energy and heart and soul into their career at the expense of their family. And they'll make the excuse and say, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this for you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm away from home so much, you know, so we can have all these cars and mansions and whatnot for you, which isn't true because they're doing it for them. And then, like you said, on the flip side, it's like, Oh, you know, Oh, I'm just going to collect unemployment, you know, so I can be home with you. And really they're just watching TV. So you really have to watch out for that. Uh, on both sides. And I'm so blessed because my, my wife is, I always come home and feel like a failure because I, I would love to give her a much better life, but, and I know she's not just me feeling better, but she, she really doesn't care about extravagance. She, she's very minimalistic, very frugal. And, and that's really encouraging. And I love what you said, because, you know, these are the moments you, you won't get back. And, and so even with me, you know, I think, oh, I need to save up all this time off. But, you know, if, and you know, my wife's like, oh, you don't need to take a day off, you know, on your daughter's birthday because you can have, it'll, it's the weekend the next day. I'm like, I'm definitely taking a day off for my daughter's birthday. And, and I think that once you find that rhythm, just stick to it. You know, and if you're always asking yourself, what's going to be best for my family? And one of my favorite things, um, my wife's kind of turned into a, a tradition. As soon as she wakes up in the morning, she'll text me and she says, I love you. And that, that makes my day uh, when it comes in, in the morning when I'm at work and I'll ask her how she's doing. And she always says, I'm good if you're good. And that's my response to her. I'm good if you're good. And then it, it, it's encouraging because I don't think any of us... Uh, you know, are are quite where we want to be in, in any measurement. Um, certainly, you both are are further along than I am, but I know that my wife and daughter see something in me, and they think so highly of me. And I'm not trying to be self deprecating, but I think we we need to live up to how our our 
wives and, and children see us. Um, and, and really how I see you guys. Cause I, I look up to, to both of you, you guys are, are giants in my eyes. I, I wanted to ask you, Lee, what, what have been some of, of the highlights that you found? I know you mentioned, you know, these road trips, you mentioned reading Tom Sawyer recently. What are some of these things that our listeners can do to build those habits right now? Um, I think that I, part of it comes from my personality is slightly impulsive and my, <laughs> my wife is a lot more thoughtful and um, she's like, she's, she would be like a great, uh, like, she's a great, like, logistician. She plans, she executes well. She'd be a fantastic CEO. Um, I mean, she's like the CEO of our household. So I guess she already, you know, she does the most important type job like that. But I'm a little more impulsive. I'm a little more of like a romantic, I guess. So we balance each other out pretty well. I think what's been good is that I've just, I've never been afraid to say like, let's just do it. Like, let's just go. <laughs> let's throw the kids in the car and let's just go drive and visit some family in the Ozarks. You know, <laughs> like, let's go. And you know, sure, I'll drive 10 hours tonight, but we're going to get there. And it's, and you know, there's some, you know, there's some difficulty sometimes because I'm, I'm a lot more of like, let's just go, let's go hit the road. Let's, you know, and my wife wants to plan, but I have to respect the fact that like what she's bringing to the table is important. Like we need to pack, we need to make sure that we have like a plan. Um, but I, I just try not to hesitate in pulling the trigger on things that will, bless and and you know help my family um and and that has been a really good thing you know it's been good to just say okay let's do this you know whether it's getting the kids into you know you know having them ride horses or whether it's you know taking them somewhere to that will be enriching right i think we need to be a lot more there there's a tendency for us to be like to you know because of the effort involved maybe because of the potential for, you know, difficulties or whatnot to counsel, you know, what could go wrong or what might be a hurdle. But I think we should focus a little bit more on, on just making, you know, making it happen, making an adventure of life a little bit, especially with our families. Um, and so I, I do try to find opportunities where I can just be like, Hey, we can do this. Let's just do this. You know, like, let's, you know, like, I've, you know, this is my favorite baseball team. They're like 250 miles away. I think we could make it in the, I think we could make it in the night and we'll, you know, here's a, I found a place. Let's just go. Let's go. Like, let's enjoy life together a little bit. And then thankfully I've got somebody with me who can, who can get all of like, who can help me get myself organized so that we can go out and experience something like that. But I think, I think saying yes, and this sounds so like hippie-ish and I'm not trying to do that. Um, <laughs> heaven forbid, but you got to say yes to living, you know, you've got to say yes. And I think that that's, that's a really good thing, especially when you have young children, you know, like when, when my son comes to me and says like, Hey, can you, you know, can, can you teach me how to do this? Can, or my daughter wants to show me a picture, you know, I have to say, okay, yes, I'm not going to go and, you know, I might be walking out the door to go to work, but I, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to give you my time it can be very challenging for me sometimes, but I have to force myself to do that because I always find that like, 
it's always an enriching thing for me. You know, when we finally pull the trigger and do it, whether it's me just stopping for five minutes to thoughtfully examine my daughter's artwork, <laughs> or it's, Hey man, we've got a free weekend. Let's throw the kids in the car and let's just go. Um, I find that those experiences have turned out to be really sweet moments for us. And it's, so I just say, you know, as a father, if your father or mother out there, it's okay to say yes a little bit more, you know, make, make life, allow life to be enjoyable. I think, you know, I believe in God. I believe the Lord wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to find joy and joy can be all around us, but we've, we've got to say yes to it. I love it. That's awesome. I, that's so encouraging, man. You know, I, I would never, I presume to put myself anywhere near your, your level, but that was really encouraging because I, I feel the same way in, in terms of my impulsivity and, and my wife is, is very organized and, and logical and, and rational in, in that regard. And, and she's the same way. Cause I love to camp and, and she likes the idea of it too, but she's always like, well, you know, we need to plan for this and we need to have all our meals situated and all, and she wants to have everything organized. Uh, but just yesterday she's like, you know what? I, I want to camp more. She's like, let's just go. Like, so I was like, finally. Yeah, that's awesome. And I like that too, because that's one thing I'm trying to do. If my daughter says, Hey, let's, you know, play chess. She's an awesome chess player. She's been playing chess. She's only seven. She's incredible. And she'll say, Hey, let's play chess. And even if I'm working on a drawing or, or working on a book or, or whatever, just saying, okay, yeah, like let's do that. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of value. So I, I, I think that's probably one of the best pieces of advice you've given today. And it's all been good is to say yes more instead of things. Oh, not right now, or I'm busy or maybe later. It, yeah. It's, it's so, so so worth it. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, this is awesome, man. You know, I, I'm so glad you brought up Boy Scouts of America too. I was actually listening to an old sermon uh, from one of the the leaders of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints from 1975. And, and he was, uh, he was quoting uh, the scout oath and, and he said, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law to help other people at all times to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and uh, was it morally clean or morally straight? Something like that. I can't remember exactly, straight. but straight. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and that was awesome. And I got chills just hearing that because it's been so long, but it it really sticks with you. So what what are you doing to replace things like Boy Scouts of America and, and those kinds of things with your kids. I, I know you mentioned, you know, BB guns, awesome catch. Awesome. Horseback riding. Awesome. What, what else? Yeah. You know, that's a good question because I'm still kind of building that. Um, trying to find things that work. I mean, and, and I, I found that like, it's good. Like I, when I say, say yes, one of the good things about this is if you are in the habit of, you know, if you have a free weekend, my kids are like, I want to go camping, but maybe mama's not ready to go camping in the mountains this weekend, man, I got a backyard. So I will say yes. And then I will hold myself to it. And even though, you know, we might get eaten by mosquitoes or whatever, and the kids might get a little spooked or whatever it is, but like, I've already committed. So committing to things I've found is good. And then it's trial and error. So, you know, we did a little camping out in the backyard 
you know, kids got scared and I learned, you know, we have, we have at the time we had some foxes and they were, they were in the, uh, the, the mating time. And so they have a lot of like strange noises and they scream in the night and it's actually pretty terrifying. The kids were spooked. And so, you know, it turned out to a little bit, be a little bit of a wash. You know, we had some tears in the tent. I had to try to get the kids to stick around. Uh, we succeeded, <laughs> but it was like, it wasn't one of those like happy, wonderful moments. It was kind of like dramatic, but it was funny. And I'll never forget that. Um, but it was, you know, it's, that was, that was our first time taking some of the little kids like camping. Right. Um, not real camping, but it was, it was our, it was our first step. Right. Um, or like fishing, you know, or like whatever it is, like, I'm, or it's, it's throwing the ball. And then I, I realized as a father, like, Oh, my kids don't really know how to throw the ball. Like I do. And so like te- having to go through the mechanics of this, it's all trial and error. I'm not a coach. You know, I just am like going off of like, you know, decades of ago, like when I was playing T-ball or whatever. And so I'm trying to like remember what I was told. It just comes natural right now, like throwing a ball, catching a ball, hitting a ball. But like, see, that's the thing is that all the like muscling through it and like figuring it out is actually like part of the fun. Um, and then you see kind of what works and what doesn't really land. And I I want to believe that in time I'll be able to cultivate something a little more long lasting you know, my kids are pretty young right now. And so, you know, I'm finding that like certain things they're not really into other things they really like. And so I'm kind of building that. Uh, I, it's hard because I don't want to, I don't, there's kind of an ad. I like the attitude of like, we can go and we can just like, let's build something to replace the boy scouts or, you know, and I like that. Okay, great. I like the attitude. That's a can do attitude. Let's, let's go. But there's something to be said for an organization that had been around for, you know, a century that had institutional support, had the whole neighborhood on board that if I didn't know how to, you know, like, let's say I don't know how I I don't I'm not very good on archery. Right. Like it would be really ridiculous for me to teach my kids archery. Now, it would be a fun experience for me to learn with them. But it's really nice when you have a neighbor down the road who's excels at it and then everybody can learn together. So there's strength in those institutions. I don't want to like discount that, but I can't rely on that now. So it's unfortunate, maybe. But at the same time, like I said, I'm muscling through it. And so I think as young fathers, husbands, we have to be willing to go out and embarrass ourselves a little bit and just try and try. And I, I want to eventually pull some more, my kids are homeschooled. And so I want to pull some of these other homeschooling families into some of these activities. You know, you know, I've got, I've got little boys down the street that I think would love to learn how to shoot a BB gun. So this would be a good opportunity for me to take the kids out and maybe we could make this a thing that we do every weekend. You know, I don't know, but that kind of goes back to the idea of like building rituals into your family culture. And so I'm developing those now. Um, And maybe, you know, maybe at some future date I can report and say, all right, camping's kind of a wash. We have to do this. You know, we'll have to maybe do it this way from now on, but you know, the kids really took to playing catch every day. And that's a thing we do after I, after I come back from work, you know, so things like that, I think that we have to be willing to build these things in because you know, I'm sorry to ramble so much, but I just, I want to return back to that idea of like, what we should be thinking of is not just like, what am I doing this week? Or even what I'm doing for my kids, you know, and, you know, for a few years, I think we need to be thinking like, what am I cultivating in this generation that will last, you know, another century? 
because I know there are things that I inherited. There are beliefs I have. There are things I've benefited from that were handed down for four generations. I think the only way we can survive uh, some of these trends today is by figuring out what we can pass on to them that will last for generations of our own, you know, descendants as well, not just our children. Yeah, it's it's a great privilege that we had those, you know, those foundational principles that we're able to, to, to teach them. And I love the fact that you're talking about figuring it out as you go. And, and I think, you know, part of that is, is having the the foresight in yourself to recognize that you're not exactly the same as your kids, but there's going to be some things that you love to do together. I mean, for example, my 16 year old has started coming to the gym with me and for me to be able to teach her the proper way to squat, the proper way to deadlift, uh, you know, going through the, those, those simple things, but build, we were able to build a relationship on those things. And I think you can find that with any of those things, whether it be the, the things of, of camping the, that we learn in the Boy Scouts or, you know, really the homeschooling and being able to be part of your kid's education. It's that opportunity to build that relationship because at the end of this life, the only thing we have is our relationships, whether that be the relationships with our families, our friends, and even God. Oh man, that's so true. I love, I love that you're teaching your kid how to do like deadlifts and squats. That is awesome. I want to do that too. I, I think that's great. I totally agree. It's muscling through it. You know, I, I have to believe that, you know, I, and I know that this is like something that I am, I know, like I've talked about on other podcasts, like patriotism, it's a tough issue for a lot of people with what's happening. Um, but like, I've been very, very saddened by what I've seen in mainstream culture of taking for granted many of the things that make this wonderful place that we all live in, this place we have history in, this place that our ancestors, you know, bled for and, and you know, they, they, they have consecrated with their sweat and their tears and their blood. I, I found that like, you know, we, with my children, I, like, I don't want them to grow up with that kind of perspective that is so like, so prevalent in mainstream culture today. And so we built in these little things and rituals and, and a family culture into our own home, right? Where my kids know the names of some of these people that we revere. They, they know the words of the Pledge of Allegiance. They know the song, you know, the, the words to our national anthem, um, and I've had to, and, you know, my wife and I have had to kind of muscle through these things and trying to find ways because I, I can't really count. It's not like it was when I was a kid where we could just 4th of July, we have a big old parade and then there's the rodeo and I see all the family there. We have a big old barbecue, you know, not, that kind of a, that kind of a thing is kind of like disappearing. And I'm realizing really quickly, like, man, if I don't, if I don't like try to capture something that I got at that age, it doesn't have to be replicated perfectly. It, it might have to be a little jerry-rigged, but, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to give my kids this thing that means a lot to me, you know, and what whatever it is. I mean, if it's, you know, teaching your kids how to be healthy and teaching them how to do like proper squatting, like that's actually really cool. That's a great skill to have. It's incredibly important to your health and your, and your sense of accomplishment, your fitness, or it's, you know, it's, it's having a perspective of, and a, and a kind of like loyalty to your country that you come from, or it's having, you know, or having that relationship with God 
that you might not be able to rely on the same kinds of 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 institutional or you know the the, the all the all the infrastructure that maybe we grew up with is changed or it's starting to erode like we've got to we've got to be the people to do it you know we've got to put we've got to figure it out you know and it's going to be tough and sometimes it's going to be it's going to feel like a failure or a wash but you know i think i think in the moments that we're like struggling through this with our kids and our loved ones like i think they'll remember this and i think it will stick with them it absolutely will 100%. I I love that, man. This has been such an honor. I I know we've kept you a little bit over time, but I I want to end on on that note that you know, the, the things that that mean a lot to us. I mean, even if our kids don't don't share interests, just having an interest in something is interesting and there there's no such thing as uninteresting things there's only uninterested people and if you take an interest in something share that with your kids if your kids take an interest in something take an interest in that and show some interest i i love seeing my daughter's drawings um i i love hearing about what games she wants to play she really likes uh you know old fashioned board games and things like that so it's a good refresher but this has been awesome man thank you so much for for sharing this advice and uh, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners i definitely want to plug your sub stack again and and anywhere else people can find you well no i just want to thank you for your time i know i ram i tend to ramble a lot no um, no these things but <laughs> i i really do appreciate the opportunity i you know, politics is fun to talk about. Uh, that's kind of what I get asked about the most, but it's really doesn't matter to me nearly as much as the things we've discussed today. This is the stuff that is going to last for yeah. a, long after we're all gone and um, our children are worth it. Our wives are worth it. And um, I just appreciate the time. I would say like, if I had anything to say, um, you know, you talked about that essay I wrote, The Hungry Country, um, if anybody does read that, I just the reason I, I I wanted to share that is because I I do believe that we have an obligation to those who came before, not to replicate the world they came from. You know that's not our project. Um, times have changed considerably, uh, but we do have an obligation to learn from them, to honor their what they what they fought for, what they they left behind because I want, I think it's important that we all look around us and try to realize what we have that has been bequeathed to us, what's been given to us. I think we have an obligation to honor those things that we've inherited, but I also think we have an obligation to pass on these things to future generations. I don't think we should have just a perspective of our own lifetimes. I think we need to think about what decisions are we making every day that will influence and affect those who come generations after us we need to have that kind of perspective you know as a as a god-fearing man this is the kind of thing this is we need to try to mirror the understanding or at least the perspective that the lord has for all of us that the decisions we make can either greatly help or hinder future generations and i think that's a big burden in some ways but i also think it's a great opportunity and i 
I really do believe that when we find ourselves in alignment with those things, like what Tom talked about, those virtues underneath it all, we will find a lot of joy and self-satisfaction and fulfillment, even in a world that feels like it's collapsing, even one that feels suffocating and stifling. I really do believe that. And it doesn't have to come with riches and credentials and all those things. Those things are, they do matter, but they do not matter most. And I think if we can latch on to the things that matter most, we will come out of this and we will be stronger. Just like in the essay, when I talked about my great, 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 great grandfather, you know, this was a man who was on the brink of starvation, who slogged it out every day with a bum leg and, and being deaf, but was able to, to pass on something to me, you know, years later. I want to be that person. The world does not know him. Some people now know him because I wrote about him. But, you know, it didn't matter to him. What he left behind was so much more important and long lasting. And I want to, I think all of us can be that person for our children, our grandchildren, and so on. Amen. Absolutely. And, and you know, we were talking offline about you and me having to fight with uh, technology uh, all the time and technology always winning. But that that is one of the blessings is now your great, great, great grandchildren are going to have access to so much of you. They, they'll be able to read your words. They'll be able to uh, hear your voice. They'll be able to see videos and, and photographs of you. And and that's going to mean something. And and you've left an indelible mark on so many people, uh, you know, us and all of our listeners, all of your, your friends, all the people that follow you, and, and most especially uh, your wife and children. So God bless you, brother. Thank you so much, Brett. Appreciate it. Tom, thank you very much for your time. It's been an honor. Yeah. Thanks for being with us again, Lee. Yeah. Tom, did you have anything else? I, 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 I kind of cut, cut I, you I think off. it's all been said tonight for sure. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Lee, definitely would love to have you back on. Thank you so much for, for your time again. And dude, never apologize for, as you say, rambling, I, I would say trailblazing. Uh, yeah, because Brad Wilcox did that the other <laughs> a couple weeks ago too. He's like, I'm sorry. I rambled. We're like, no, let's no ramble. Let, let us hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is your episode. You know, if, if, if we're talking more than you, then there's a problem. So we're, we're glad to, to have it. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely link your sub stack and, and uh, love seeing everything you're, you're posting on, on the interwebs and we'll look forward to having you again. Please give our, our best regards to your family and to all you listeners follow this advice. Let us know how it goes and, and improve upon it. Just use this as, as a template. And until next time, this has been Lee and Tom and Brett out.